Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. Super Bowl week is here! I don't know what day it is because we recorded it in advance, but it's a Monday when you're listening to this. And it's not February yet, so it's sometime in January, and it's a mailbag edition. If you're new here, uh, what we do is we take five-star reviews from Apple Podcast or questions from our Facebook group. Go to Facebook.com, search for Pick 6 Podcast, or go onto Apple Podcast and find the podcast. If you haven't left, if you love and, or like the podcast, and you haven't left a review, go do one. You can maybe be creative, be funny. You guys are weird and, and we like it. Um, no Ryan Wilson on this show because Ryan Wilson will be jo- joined us on Friday because he's in Mobile, Alabama doing a bunch of draft stuff with, uh, Scott Pioli, Dave Richards down there. But we are going to do a Super Bowl week preview mailbag. Mailbag will be coming up after the break, the full mailbag. Um, we have some stuff we want to hit on, like the, you know, basic stuff we're looking forward to this week. And to do so, joining me, five-time Super Bowl veteran, John Breach. Hey, Johnny. Hey, what's up, man? Are Do we agree that we're going to call South Beach South Breach this week? What? I won't wear a Speedo, though, I promise. You should definitely get a shirt that says South Breach. I might. Also on the line, one-time Super Bowl. Woohoo! <laughs> one-time Super Bowl veteran. This is, I always think, so like when they do the CBS Sports HQ stuff with like me and Brian McFadden, they'll be like, CBS Sports senior NFL analyst. And I'm like, oh yeah. And they're like, two-time Super Bowl champion. I'm like, oh really? And then they're like, Brian McFadden, they're like, and writer Will Brinson. I'm like, Come on. Like you gotta, he's dropped two-time Super Bowl champion? It's killing me. You're killing me. Um, Sean, second Super Bowl, uh, first traveling Super Bowl. Are you excited? I am excited. A little bit afraid to spend one week straight with all of you guys. I don't think we've I've ever gone more than like four days with all of you guys. So well, friendships will be tested. Relationships will be placed on the line. What? Um, no way. You're, are you serious? You think that? <laughs> what's going to be placed on the line is your liver and kidneys. I, I yes. That's what I was going to say next. Is if that, anyone's wondering how, what's going to happen, it's basically Jersey Shore except Super Friends in Miami. Have you guys seen that Twitter going around on video of the iguana like waking up on the sidewalk? Yeah, I tweeted out that's what every day waking up in your 30s with a hangover is like. I, I tweeted that's pretty much going to be me every day during Super Bowl week in Miami. Mm-hmm. Are you bringing your bathing suit down to South Beach? Yes. Yeah, of course. Yeah, you never know real? what's going to happen. I feel pretty comfortably that I know I'm not going to be swimming. I mean, I guess yeah. you could be. You might have an interview on the beach, and you want to be playing the part. You got to have the Hawaiian shirt, the Tommy Bahamas shirt, and and the swimsuit. You probably get bonus questions Actually, from Andy Reid. You know what? I take that back. The very first Super Bowl. You know, what? I can mention this in the when we talk about Super Bowl memories or whatever. Maybe or do we talk about that uh, in the in the rundown? Yeah, I'll mention this. I'll tell you about. Make sure and ask me about the first Super Bowl I ever covered. Because Sean, it was in South Beach, just like it is now. Ten years ago. See this walking in a path? You're following in my footsteps. Oh, Son, my internet son. Did you Pretty, go swimming? No, okay. but I'll tell I'll tell you about that in the mailbag. So tune in. I'll tell you why you should bring a bathing suit in the mailbag. Um, also on this week, opening night recap will be on Tuesday. This is going to like uh, I don't want to name check any other podcast, but like the like typically like we'll get like four or five minutes or babbling on before we dive in. This is getting really stretched out. So let's run through this quickly. Opening night recap tomorrow. We will be at opening night. We'll have a mini, we'll have a portable recorder, I believe. We'll get some interviews. Breach is going to do a scavenger hunt where he has to shank Nick Bosa. He has his choice. He either has to pull his pants down or he has to stab him with a rusty, a shiv. Neither one is very appealing because you're going to get beat up either way. 
um, and a bunch of other fun stuff at Media Night. So we'll we must have that. gotten different itineraries, Brinson. So I'm going to stick with the one I got. You got the who can get fired the fastest one. <laughs> I'm going to be anxious to see what you do at Media Night. <laughs> it's definitely going to show up in a Speedo. <laughs> yeah. We will be uh, talking with all the writers who are going to be covering the Chiefs and 49ers. So there'll be, you know, like beat writers and, and checking in with folks who are doing that. We'll talk to Jason Lacanfora, Jonathan Jones, our insiders, Brady Quinn, Danny Cannell, two-time Super Bowl champ Bryant McFadden will be joining us as well. R.J. White and Pete Prisco will be doing picks. Heath Cummings will be doing Super Bowl DFS, plus lots of super friend stuff and a ton of celebrity interviews throughout the weeks. So make sure and hit that subscribe button if you haven't already. And, uh, you know, uh, anyway, um, one more. Oh, yeah, we're going to try and come up with a game, a props contest for all the podcast listeners out there. So stay tuned for details on that. Should have them by Tuesday morning, but I'll let you know. Um, I'm pushing hard for it. I want interactive fun because I'm excited about the Super Bowl. Let's dive into our questions. This is a mail. This is from E. Debo. He says, what are you most excited about for Super Bowl LIV? Breach, you first. Uh, I am most excited about going to Miami and hanging out with the super friends because, you know, you can't be super friends when you only hang out over Skype. It's like we don't even know each other. Like Sean said, he only gets four days a year with us. Now he gets a full week. We get to talk football. We get to go to the press conferences. We get to ask any question we want of these players. Uh, we get to hang out on the beach. We get to podcast together. So I'm excited for the whole entire week. And also it helps that this is the first warm weather Super Bowl I have ever covered. So I can actually go outside. Uh, I think Minnesota was about negative 12 degrees. Atlanta was cold. How what cold was, your... was the Bay Area? For you? Was... You, were in the, you were in San Francisco. It's, like, the, it's like 40 degrees. That's not warm. What was your first Super Bowl? Uh, New York City. And it was 10 degrees there. Oh, oh my God, that's right. So, Breach's first Super Bowl. Can I tell the story? I can tell the story. Hey, tell, her, tell whatever you want. Not ashamed Breach. of anything. Not, not, uh, we should not that. everything. Yeah. <laughs> Breach's first Super Bowl. We all went out to eat dinner with, uh, friend of the program, uh, two, uh, Adam Beasley, Bees, aka Wildcard, who works for the Miami Herald, and Damon Amendolara, who, uh, is CB, with CBS Sports Radio. Me, I can't remember if Wilson went or not. I think he did. Um, uh, Eric K, our boss went as well. There's a few other people like Miami media and we all went out to dinner and Breach was meeting us too. Breach's like, I gotta go do, or maybe like Breach is walking with us. He's like, I gotta go somewhere real quick. We're like, oh, okay. Whatever. I, know, I know this story. This is a good one. Breach had his backpack on. Like, oh, I guess he's got his computer. So we, I don't think we'd ever met Breach, right? Have we met you? Yeah, I don't think so. I don't think so. This is like the first time we meet Breach. So Breach goes and like wanders off in New York City for a minute. We're like, all right, whatever, dude. Like come back to the restaurant. He comes back like 20 minutes later. And we're like, what, uh, what did you do? And he opens up his backpack and he's got a, a handle of Jim Beam. <laughs> he's, his backpack is full of bourbon. And we're like, what the F, dude? Like, well, you just went and bought a bunch of bourbon and filled your backpack with it? He's like, I don't want to pay for drinks at the hotel. I'm just going to go up and make just more <laughs> drinks, just more bourbon drinks. And so I got a, I got a handle of bourbon. We're like, okay, well, like, that's actually not a terrible idea. But don't you think, like, a fifth might have been enough for the week? Like, a handle? Like, what are you planning on doing? And uh, I think, how much did you end up drinking out of it? I mean, it was Costco prices, man. I was paying for value. The handle wasn't that much more than the fifth. And also, I will say that not only was it my first Super Bowl I was covering, it was my first time ever in New York City. So I had already decided that once my responsibilities were over, every night I was going to be like, oh, me and my Jim Beam, are, I'm making Beam and Coke, and then uh, go hang out. So not embarrassed at all about that. And I, I think I drank – not all of it. Definitely was – I'm sure the maid guy in there was like, well, that's a nice present from this guy. Yeah. Yeah, I, I get a tip um, and a half a handle of beam. And then the last night of the Super Bowl too. Can I? Uh, Wilson is leaving for his flight. Wilson's leaving to take a. Uh, is he going to take a train or a flight? He was, he was going to take a flight back to New York, and he comes walking out at four in the morning for like his eight o'clock flight. And Breach and, uh, and Matt Brodsky, who works at our CBS offices, comes stumbling back in there. Hey, Wilson! Wilson! He's like, oh my god. <laughs> And then, but then Wilson ended up being stuck at the airport. Till, it was a big snowstorm as we were trying to leave. Uh, Sean, what are you most excited about? Cover about the Super Bowl. So it, it is what Breach said, just going down and seeing everyone. However, I will pick something about the actual game since I think that's probably what listeners care about since they're not going to be hanging out with us. Yeah. Um, I'm ex I'm excited for two things. I know it says one. Sorry, Debo, I'm going to break the rules. Uh, 
I think oh, we're going to get the, just say whatever you want. Just I, fine. Tell I think we're going to get the uh, two best play callers um, in the NFL against each other. Reed versus Shanahan. I think that's after last year's Super Bowl, which I don't think was terrible. I think there was some good defense played, but what was it? Thirteen three. It wasn't really what you would call exciting. I think we're going to see a lot more fireworks, and I'm excited to see what Patrick Mahomes does. I think like he is in the middle right now, potentially one of the best playoff runs of all time, and if he finishes it off with by doing what he's done the last two weeks um, in the Super Bowl, it could go down as, I think, the best postseason stretch of play. We always look at Joe Flacco's as, like, the best instance of a quarterback getting hot and playing flawless in the postseason. He had 11 touchdowns, 1,140 yards, no interceptions. Uh, Mahomes is a little bit at a disadvantage because he obviously did not play in the wild card round, but Mahomes has eight touchdowns, 615 yards, 131.5 quarterback rating, um, and almost nine yards per attempt. Uh, so I'm excited to see those two things. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, Breach gave the, like, I'm talking to my wife answer. It's like, I can't wait to see my friends. That's going to be super fun. Um, and Sean <laughs> gave the realistic football answer. So we appreciate you, Sean. Uh, I'm going to go somewhere in between. And I agree. I agree with, I do agree with both. But, like, and I, I would disagree that, like, you know, John's like, we never get to hang out. I feel like I'd spend 70% of my waking life with you guys. <laughs> I know well, it's on virtually. Yeah. <laughs> Like I would invite Debo to my wedding. Like I would Debo might be in my wedding if I got if I got remarried. Like if I if I was like single and getting married in like three months, I'd be like Debo, you're a groomsman. I don't. This is not. It's a non-negotiable situation. When I get married, Debo's gonna make the rundown for the wedding. <laughs> Debo's like, uh, listen, man, your vows are running a little bit long. <laughs> I got an earpiece. <laughs> he's, he's like, mention that you love her. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean. No, I mean, but it is fun to hang out with you guys in person. I imagine that we will uh, get banged up at least one or two nights. I got to tell you. So, like, Friday is always the big night. Um, in Atlanta, me, Breach, and Wilson, we got Ryan Wilson to stay out till 4 in the morning in Atlanta. We were uh, playing bocce ball underground, like a bunch of lunatics. We went to, like, a – we put, went with the with a, a former NFL player who remained nameless, Quady Brin. <laughs> Quady Brin and his – and his uh, a former Cleveland Browns first round overall pick, who will rename, remain nameless, and uh, and his wife and one of her friends. We went to an underground like uh, horseshoe bar, and then from there we went to play bocce ball. And we're like, what are we? What are we doing up um, Friday night in Miami? Guns and roses. I got to tell you, that's the thing I'm most looking forward to, outside of the actual football game itself. Guns and roses. I've been dying to see them. I missed them when they were in. Uh, a bunch of people went to see him in Nashville. Some people went to see him in Winston-Salem, and I missed both shows. I heard it's incredible. I can't wait to see Guns N' Roses. So that's like that's sort of what I'm thinking. Plus, Friday night you can go huge because Saturday you don't have to do a whole lot. Very excited for that. Um, I, I think that this – got to tell you the other thing that I think is fascinating. I don't know if you guys – if I mentioned this theory to you, um, but we're sort of in this post-Patriots apocalyptic world, and it could exist for a long time if Tom Brady leaves – it's really fascinating. Like the the specter of the Patriots is not looming over a Super Bowl for the first time since 2009, basically. I mean, I know they, they haven't been in every Super Bowl, but they've always been like right there. It feels like this. It's just different. It, it, like the world feels different. Is that is that crazy? I think it's crazy that I went through like the last few years wondering if I would ever cover another Super Bowl that didn't involve the Patriots. Yeah. And, and we have Sean here who has never covered a Super Bowl involving the Patriots. He is somehow the anti-Patriot. Wow. You send Sean to a Super Bowl, the Patriots aren't playing in, <laughs> in it. I mean, they've played in, what, five of the past six years, and uh, now, or now five of the past seven, if you include this year, and those two are the only one that Sean has attended. So, Sean, you okay. are the uh, guy that people need to hire to send to the Super Bowl if they don't want to see the Patriots. Or you just put a target on my back for every single Patriots fan. So thanks for that, Breach. That works also. Good. Yeah, your Bills fans hate you. Maybe Finns fans and Jets fans. We'll get you the full AFC um, covered. So my first Super Bowl was in the first time I ever went to Radio Row and the media stuff was in after the 2009 season when the Saints and Colts played in Miami. Um, and that was the, sec the second Super Bowl in, the, in four years that was in Miami because Colts and Bears were there as well uh, back in uh, the 2007 season. But, man, and, like, I ended up having to leave because my buddy Garrett's bachelor, bachelorette, bachelor party was that weekend, um, and my I had gotten – press passes for Radio Row, but didn't have a credential for the game. So I didn't want to like stick around and try and like finagle my way in there. It turns out it was an incredible Super Bowl. Um, 
Oh, and so the story I was going to tell you about why you bring a bathing suit to Miami. So uh, I had gotten set up to do a Matthew Stafford interview. And uh, I had to take a – because all the media setup was in Fort Lauderdale, right, in 2009. And I had taken a, a taxi from Fort Lauderdale all the way down to the Fontainebleau in, uh, in, in Miami. Swanky resort. And Matthew Stafford, interview Matthew Stafford. I get there and Matthew Stafford's like, yeah, man, like you're, you're like one of my people, like a Georgia guy. I was like, yeah. And we had like a good interview. It was a really cool interview. Ran on Fan House. You can't find it anymore, I don't think. But he was like, hey, there's a pool party upstairs. You want to go? I was like, I don't, don't have a bathing suit. Could have gone upstairs and partied at the Fontainebleau. Didn't have a bathing suit. That's a strong argument for bringing a bathing suit. I'm going to bring two now. That's why you bring a bathing suit. (laughs) That's why you always wear a bathing suit in Miami at all times. Even under, 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 underneath your pants. Under your pants, yeah. yeah. Jeans, tight, tight jeans, bathing suit. <laughs> Khakis, bathing suit. You're wearing a bathing suit? You better have another bathing suit on underneath. Um, so the, anyway, I figured I'd mention that now. Um, the year after that, Steelers, Packers. And so that's one Ravens. And then the year after that was the Patriots and the Giants second time. Let's see, one, two, three, four, five. I think I've seen five Patriots Super Bowls in the past ten Super Bowls. That's it's ridiculous. Get out of here. I'm over it. I'm tired of it. Like the storylines are all the same. Like you're just waiting on like it's like Groundhog Day. You're like waiting on Tom Brady not to say anything. And then you got, you know, short white wide receiver, slot receiver who's like kind of spunky and giving little funny quotes at Media Day. Um, you know, you got Gronk, he's out here being Gronk. You got defensive guys who are saying they're not respected enough. No, I want I want I want new blood. And and the story the story after the Super Bowl is always the same. Tom Brady's legacy and like yeah. it's like an updating because the greatest coach and quarterback of all time, what we already knew for the last five years. Yeah, exactly. So we got a, a non Patriot. So I think like that I'm kinda looking forward to that as some new blood down there in South Beach. Richard Sherman's been here before, of course. Jimmy Garoppolo has been to multiple Super Bowls and has two Super Bowl rings, but he's never been the starting quarterback. Mahomes is first uh Super Bowl and it like the idea that Patrick Mahomes could win a Super Bowl in his third year, second year as a starter, finally win one for Andy Reid, and then even, like, set up Andy Reid to go on this run where he wins, like, it's like, so, like, when Phil Mickelson went forever before he won his first major, and there was, like, a flood of majors. Like, once you get that monkey off your back, you feel like Andy Reid could rip off a couple of these. I think there's a feeling that the Chiefs potentially could be, like, the new Patriots. I'm not I'm not going to say they're going to win as many as, as, obviously, Brandy and Belichick won, but this could be the start of winning multiple, like, three or four Super Bowls, I think, just because of how young uh, Mahomes is and how good of a coach Reed is. I mean, he's but two The flip two side of that is two. that they're immediately going to have to deal with something that Belichick and Brady never had to deal with, and that's making their quarterback uh, the highest-paid player in the NFL because Patrick Mahomes is going to get a monstrous contract after the season. It's likely going to pay him $40 million per year or more, which is not anything any team has ever had. I mean, that is setting the bar Way higher, you know. Russell Wilson's at thirty-five million per year right now. You're just going way ahead of that, and they have to figure out how to keep everyone. So it's going to be interesting to see if they can. Uh, and obviously, Patrick Mahomes gives you a fighting chance to win it every year. So as long as they have him, that's clutch. But are we sure is a lot? That's one thing that nobody's talked about. Are we, like, are we sure that Mahomes is going to like require them to break the bank? I don't see how he wouldn't. There's, I would at least do it on your first big contract, and then maybe in the years after you take less, but. I think he's got to break the bank the first time just to get himself all the money that he can possibly get. I mean, he's, but he's like, he was, he's not like Brady was a six round pick who like, that's true. I mean, like he's, he's already set for life and he's got all these crazy endorsements and stuff like that. So ketchup is paying him like a million dollars a year. So right. Justin ketchup. Um, I mean, if I, I mean, I I think he'll probably take $40 million. Remember like Lee Steinberg, who's his agent, who has had, a lot of big name clients in the past, but it's not been, it's not, you know, he's not been like, like, you know, he, he, he bounced back and got back in the agent game really with Patrick Mahomes as like his signature guy. And now it's, it's turning out quite well. Um, he's got, so he just signed somebody else. Who's, is it, uh, is it Joe Burrow? Who is it? Lee's got somebody else. Anyway, Steinberg, the Steinberg guys have somebody else. They have lots of great clients, but I just think it would, I think that they will want to make a statement too with these, with the, with the, like, Hey, First $40 million contract ever, you know, and the richest quarterback contract of all time. I don't think it'll kill the, the Chiefs, but we'll see. They can go to a lot of Super Bowls. What will be the top storyline breach during Super Bowl week leading up to the game? 
Oh, I think the obvious ones obviously will be Patrick Mahomes that we just spent 10 minutes talking about going up against the 49ers defense because their pass defense was so good this year, probably the best in the NFL. Obviously, we're going to hear about whether or not Jimmy Garoppolo's any good because I feel like half of America is convinced that he rode the 49ers coattails to the Super Bowl. Uh, when in fact, he did come up clutch multiple times this year. Uh, so I think there'll be a lot of talk about Garoppolo, Andy Reid getting his first Super Bowl one, which is something we mentioned. Uh, that is going to be talked about, and I think it should be. He's been around head coach for 20 years now. He has come close multiple times. Brinson has made the argument this week that he is one of the top five coaches in NFL history, uh, and we can argue that, but he is definitely in the conversation once he gets that Super Bowl title. Uh, so it would mean a lot to if, him. If he gets it. If Super Bowl title. he gets that Super Bowl title. I mean, if he gets it next year, if he gets it ever. Uh, and I think one fascinating thing that has never really been talked about, and maybe this is a question we can ask when we get there, is whether or not the 49ers thought about drafting Patrick Mahomes because they needed a quarterback Ooh. in 2017. They ended up trading with the Bears because the Bears thought the 49ers might steal their quarterback. The Bears were picking number three. They traded. They moved up one spot to go to number two, right, Sean? I don't think they thought the 49ers They didn't think they thought someone else was going to. There was a lot of talk about how – the Bears kind of played themselves, but because they had fear that another team was going to trade. But the 49ers were in the market for a quarterback. I mean, they traded for Jimmy Garoppolo with that October six months later, so they definitely needed one, and instead they used the first pick on Solomon Thomas, who has been phenomenal. So it's not like they blew the pick, but I would be interested in knowing whether or not they were interested in drafting Patrick Mahomes and if that was anything that came close to happening. That's an interesting angle. I mean, the fact of the matter is that every single team – before the Chiefs traded up, should have in hindsight taken Patrick Mahomes. Like so, um, I think that's an interesting angle that I actually hadn't considered. Don't uh, steal my angles, Sean. Don't thought, steal my angles. Wait, are we sure that? I, so they traded for Jimmy Garoppolo in the middle of the 2017 season. They dumped Kaepernick, and then yeah, and then they were terrible. And Jimmy G won the last. Wait, was it? Hold on. Mahomes was April 2017. They traded for Garoppolo. They traded for Garoppolo. Garoppolo didn't really play until the last five games of the year, and then he got hurt at the beginning of the 2018 season. Yeah, but that means that they traded for him in 2017 after Mahomes was drafted. Right. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. They needed a quarterback. They didn't have a franchise quarterback. No, I mean, but like, so it's not even a case of like they traded for Mahomes. They traded for Garoppolo and they didn't take Mahomes. They just straight up didn't take Mahomes. They could have taken Mahomes there. Right. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, but I think you're underselling it a little bit. Like they didn't have a quarterback on their roster. I mean, not not one that anybody was worried about them keeping long term. They could have taken Mahomes. They could have taken Deshaun Watson. Yeah, I mean, that's could have taken Trubisky and saved me. I was thinking about not even bringing that story up on the podcast because I didn't want it to get out there, but now it's out there because they had Brian Hoyer and C.J. Beathard as their quarterbacks. You were thinking about not bringing up that story? Like It's like it's out there. I guess everyone knows now. Well, nobody's really I, talked about that. That's what I'm saying. No, I, I think Breach is right, though. Like, I had not – like, no one has ever talked about this before. And, like, it is something where, again, every team before 10 – I mean, look – there's a lot of things that can be written about how the Bills just probably should have stayed and taken them. Uh, but every single team in that draft order should have taken Patrick Mahomes in, in hindsight, obviously. Yeah, I mean, that's true. I'm just trying to think if there wasn't like some – like why was there not more buzz about them taking a quarterback then? I guess Mahomes didn't play. Well, I mean, the whole Mahomes Watson tore, his AC, Watson tore his ACL and Trubisky was playing for John Fox, so nobody was, like, freaking out about that class. And they traded for Garoppolo during that season, so, like, there was no time to ever really freak out about it. Yes. Because Mahomes, make... Mahomes didn't play in 2017, and they got Garoppolo before Mahomes ever played. So, like, Garoppolo made his debut with the 49ers before Mahomes made his debut with the Chiefs. So, right, I think right, that right, – right. Garoppolo went 5-0, and I think. Um, granted it was against some really bad teams, but that helped build a lot of excitement. And at the time the narrative was, and it still kind of is, oh my God, they got this guy for a second round pick and that's it. What, why did the Patriots not ask for more? And like, even looking back on this, and this is a fan sided blog too. So this is like Niner noise. I don't know what, for whatever it's worth, but it's like the number two need for the 49ers after the, after round one, more weapons for Brian Hoyer. <laughs> <laughs> 
now in fairness to this person, the two top the three the two top targets were Juju Smith Schuster and Cooper Cup. So good on you, person who wrote this article. But the idea that they're like, you know what they need is more weapons for Hoyer. I guess we got bought into the idea that Kyle Shanahan was gonna bring in someone like Kirk Cousins or Brian Hoyer or like can go his own route, maybe. Well no, well that was the whole thing. It was Shanahan and Brian Hoyer with the Cleveland Browns in twenty fourteen uh tore up the league, believe it or not. I think Until they Alex start- Mack broke his leg, yeah. Right. So you had the Browns get off to that phenomenal start, and you know they, then Shanahan quit the team because he didn't want Manziel to ever play. Uh, so the 49ers and Shanahan were hoping to rekindle that magic, which is probably what steered them away from taking a quarterback in the first round. But the fact of the matter is that they could have because they knew Hoyer's not your franchise quarterback. He's not going to be there. If if Shanahan's planning to be that coach in San Francisco for 10 years, he knew Brian Hoyer's not going to be with him for those 10 years, so he there, still needs that franchise quarterback. There was also the buzz that they were waiting for Kirk Cousins to play out his franchise tags, and then he was going to sign with Shanahan in San Francisco as a free agent. And so, like, that was sort of the common belief up until they traded for Jimmy G. So I guess, like – it is weird though, like they're getting a free pass for this. I mean, they had a top over a top three pick and didn't take Mahomes, Watson, or Trubisky. Yeah, and the Browns started seven and four with Shanahan and Brian Hoyer together. And yeah, so that is I am just interested in knowing in how much scouting they did of Mahomes and if they were ever close to drafting him. Yeah, I don't think it's one of those things where they deserve like a bunch of criticism. I mean, that's the thing that kind of gets lost in this Mahomes stuff is that uh, and especially as it relates to the Bears, there was never that much of a national conversation about should the Bears take Patrick Mahomes. It was should they take Deshaun Watson. That's where yeah. you can knock pace for not taking Deshaun Watson. I don't, I can't remember that many people advocating for Mahomes to go that high. And so that's why it's like, yes, in hindsight, teams like the 49ers and look, the Jack, the Jags at four deserve so much blame because they took a running back um, and they didn't even take the best running back. But uh, it's, there is a lot of hindsight going on with the Mahomes stuff. Not a lot of people were saying he should be the first quarterback taken. They wouldn't have Bosa if they took Mahomes. Well, I think they would much rather have Patrick Mahomes. Yes, that, that, that's correct. <laughs> I, well, the thing about Mahomes is interesting. Like, um, and I got, uh, I, I, I said this on, I think Toucher and Rich, but I've said, I've said it a bunch. The t- somebody for Toucher and Rich tweeted it and like tagged Big Cat. And so like it got like, like I didn't, I wasn't saying it as a take, but they're like, do you think Mahomes would be as Mahomes anywhere else? And I said, no, I think if the Chiefs, if the Bears had taken Mahomes and paired him with John Fox and the Chiefs had taken Mitchell Trubisky and paired him with Andy Reid and let him sit for a year and learn behind Alex Smith, that Trubisky and Mahomes would probably be like considered uh, even on the level in terms of quarterbacks. Like I, I think Mitchell Trubisky would be a pretty freaking good quarterback in an Andy Reid system where it uses his mobility and his strong arm and he's allowed to learn for a full year. Um, I know I'm not saying he's as good an athlete as Patrick Mahomes or has as much upside, but the knock on Mahomes is like, you know, A, this guy played in the Big 12. B, he throws tons of like, he's like, he's like far, like he's a loose cannon. He's going to throw like 20 picks his rookie year, but he got to sit and learn. That's the thing. Like he got to sit and learn and study with zero pressure about playing him. Yeah. And that's the thing, not to turn this into the Patrick Mahomes pod, but what I think the, the most Super Bowl surprising, preview. the most late. surprising thing is, is that I think no one, no one foresaw 5,000 yards and 50 touchdowns, of course, but we all foresaw a lot of yards and a lot of touchdowns with Andy Reid. I don't think anyone saw how low his interception rate is and saw that coming. He threw an interception this year on 1% of his passes, which is, which is incredible for how often he's pushing downfield. And for that, it's it's a big testament to Andy Reid because if you look at always like next gen stats, always tracks like the aggressiveness of like how often you're throwing into tight windows. I believe Mahomes usually ranks really low on that, which is a good thing yeah, because it just means sure. he's throwing to open guys. And like he's Andy Reid has reduced the risk um, with the big arm quarterback. It, it's also a testament to obviously what you're saying with Mahomes. It, he's not the gunslinger we thought he was. He's actually really safe with the ball while still generating explosive plays. Yeah, and he like he's not throwing it in a tight windows down the field to Tyreek Hill. It's like Tyreek Hill is like three feet out in front of the other guy and Mahomes is putting it out as far as he can. It all, again, it's an ecosystem that Andy Reid put together that blends all of this really well. Um, and real quick, what, the original question was, was storylines. Yeah. So I, I was going to throw it to you. And I think it's both of these coaches are 
no doubt, I think the two best play callers in the NFL, like we shouldn't be questioning uh, their reputation, but both of them have like the narrative will be, look, Andy Reid has a history of bungling um, key situations, most notably in the Super Bowl, the first the only time he made it there with the Eagles um, when they ran that like four minute, two minute drill when they needed two scores and McNabb was huffing and puffing uh, down the field. Uh, and, and then may, may or may not have thrown up. <laughs> yes. And then you have Kyle Shanahan, who was. Um, coordinating the 28 to 3 Falcons and was there for the defense gets a lot of the blame. He deserves some of the blame. I will defend him briefly. Uh, Matt Ryan was coming off an MVP season. He was coming off another all time great playoff run that gets lost in the shuffle because they didn't win the Super Bowl. Um, I think how he stayed aggressive was actually okay, even though the results didn't clearly work out. Um, and I think that aggressiveness is actually what he needs to do in this Super Bowl because he is going up against a guy who can erase deficits in a single quarter uh, that I think he actually needs to maintain that aggressive mindset. I concur. I think um, both guys will have to be aggressive. Yeah, and he also needs to not lose his playbook. <laughs> I forgot about that. That's that's definitely a storyline we need to keep our eyes on at media night that no one walks off with Kyle Shanahan's backpack, which contains not only his playbook, but thirty thousand dollars in Super Bowl tickets. By the way, if um, somebody walked off with Kyle Shanahan's backpack uh, on tonight, because really, you know, it's Monday night, if you're listening to this, like people would be like, oh, how silly. It's so crazy that that happened. But like when it was the Patriots and the Falcons, it's like, did Belichick steal his book bag? Who's like, what nefarious plot is up? Is, is Bill and or Bill and Tom up to now? Like Ernie Adams sulking in, like slinking <laughs> out with a book bag in his hand. And you know, what's crazy. The twist in all of this is that the guy who walked off with Shanahan's book bag was Art Spander, who is a San Francisco media member. So he now covers Shanahan with the 49ers. That's right. Ooh, that's that's not my kid. That, that was actually my voice. I think he wants a cookie. <laughs> Who doesn't um, want a cookie? Robbie, are you coming up here to get a cookie? Why don't you just go get a cookie yourself? I would give him a cookie, but we're so far away. Well, why don't we take a break, and I'll get Robbie a cookie, <laughs> and then we'll come back and we'll talk about some other stories. Does that sound like a plan? <laughs> he says yes. That sounds like a plan. All right. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts. All right. Mailbag time. After cookie time. I ate a cookie too. Cookie monster. I, I like that Brinson just ate a cookie because when we started recording, he started complaining about how heavy his, his lunch was. Yeah, and I need a little palate cleanser, like a cookie, a nice vanilla uh, golden, double-stuffed golden Oreo. And I went down there and got my son three Oreos. Goes, I don't want Oreos. I want a white cookie with white icing. It's like this is a, what the, what, one of the little white sprinkle cookies. So I had to make fresh cookies. Yada, yada, yada. Here we are. Uh, Super Bowl question. These are from Apple Podcasts. Remember, you can leave a five-star review, and uh, we will answer any and all questions from you guys. Super Bowl question from Mike C6464. What do you consider to be the greatest Super Bowl of all time? Breach. Uh, I think that you can look at recent Super Bowls. There's a lot of recency bias, but also – Earlier Super Bowls weren't that great. So I'm going to say one from now and one from earlier. Uh, number one, I think you could literally do any Patriots Super Bowl from the past 20 years because they're all crazy. I would say 
Uh, Falcons Patriots is probably my number one just because 28 to three completely insane. Uh, but it, I, if I barely just a nudge ahead of Seahawks Patriots because of Marshawn at the one and the interception. So I would say those are my top two almost tied for one. And if we go earlier before 2000, uh, I also have two that are tied at the top. Number one, Giants-Bills, because that game is just – that's the one game everyone knows. Scott Norwood misses the field goal wide right from 47 yards out. The Giants win the Super Bowl. Eh, Bill Belichick was also involved in that one. So maybe it's just the Bill Belichick Super Bowls. And the other one is Super Bowl 23, Bengals-Niners. Joe Montana throws the latest game-winning touchdown pass in Super Bowl history. Montana to Taylor. Still an emotional moment. I'm, I'm tearing up. Surprise, My, surprise, Breach took this occasion to make a humble brag that his father was a former NFL player. I didn't even mention it. I'm just kidding. <laughs> mine is mine is 49, which is the Seahawks ah. Patriots. I put that over Seahawks Falcons, um, or sorry, Patriots Falcons, um, because I just think the the game was better from start to finish. Like the 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 fact of the the Patriots Falcons game is that it's 28 to three in that part of the game. While it was fascinating to watch Brady throw that pick six and make that weird attempt at a tackle that went terribly, um, it wasn't a great game for a half. Um, the Seahawks-Patriots uh, game was back and forth. The Seahawks have that awesome late drive just before halftime where it looks like the Patriots are giving away points when it looked like they were going to go into halftime with the lead. Um, what's kind of overlooked is the Patriots were down 10 in that fourth quarter against the Legion of Boom, um, and they had mount this miraculous comeback. You have the Jermaine Curse catch. Um, which precedes the Malcolm Butler pick, which is one of the best catches in NFL history that goes overlooked. Um, and then you have the Malcolm Butler interception, which is such a great story, not just because of the context of the play, but because of Malcolm Butler being the undrafted free agent. Later, we see the play being run in practice where he messes it up and the Patriots coach is having to tell him how to adjust how he does that play. You have Bill Belichick not calling a timeout when the Seahawks get to the one yard line and everyone's freaking out about why he's not using his timeout to give Brady a chance to go down and score. And then after you have like the inside the NFL and showtime and you have the Patriots do your job documentary where you actually hear uh, the coaches asking Brady on that or asking Belichick on the headset, Bill, like, do you want a timeout? And Belichick's just looking over at the Seahawks sideline, seeing them kind of in disarray. And he goes, yep, I got it. That's all he says. And so, like, at the time, I think we all thought Belichick was making a mistake not calling a timeout. Uh, but in hindsight, I think he was looking at them and seeing kind of, like, their confusion, expecting a timeout and being like, you know what? I'm going to bet this on their execution and my execution here. 30 seconds with Brady against the Legion of Boom is probably not enough time to go score anyways. Let's see how they handle the situation. And he, and he bet completely right. Well, I mean, a lot of times – and by the way, that was – um I have a list of – the uh greatest ranking every Super Bowl of all time. Um and I actually have to update it for uh, I guess technically uh today, right now, as we're recording this <laughs> on Thursday. Um but uh I gotta add the Patriots Rams in there. It's gonna be very low on the list. My number one, and I made this list like three or four years ago, I think. Thank goodness they let me update the list because the first time I did it, it took forever. I mean there's a bunch of Super Bowls I had never seen that I had to go and like dig through and like kind of rewatch film and like, you know, sort of make sure I wanted to make sure it's a legitimate list. Um, it is shocking how many of these Super Bowls, the good ones are the recent ones. So my top four, uh, number one, Super Bowl 49 in breach. Do you have anything else to add about that? Super Bowl? I mean, like I, I, we were there in Arizona. People forget that like deflate. This is the deflate gate Super Bowl too. Like that's all lingering in the background. Um, and I do think Belichick and I'm going to let you talk in a second, John. Um, I do think that like, uh, Belichick sort of, it's easy to say this because it's Belichick. Like another coach would be like, that idiot didn't call a timeout, but like it did feel like Belichick understood that, you know, by not calling timeout, he was forcing the Seahawks to, to move. Everything's moving and speeding up and they're making decisions without the benefit of taking a break, like taking a, a pause and taking a breath and like, and, you know, being able to like actively say what you want to do. And we saw it again with Pete Carroll this year. You know, he had that, like he had, they made the mistake on first and goal from the one against the 49ers where they got the false start on a substitution issue. So it makes you wonder, like, is that something Belichick saw with Pete Carroll that if he doesn't have time during these on like sideline decision-making, can things go awry? So it makes you wonder if, if he was sort of thinking that as well. And it's crazy to think that once again, that 
being at the one yard line completely transformed everything because that was what d- decided that got the Port Niners the one seed in the playoffs uh, and and really changed how the NFC shook out. One thing I will say about Super Bowl 49 is I was not at the game because I was covering it from Las Vegas, Nevada. And I was at the Superbook, the largest sports book in Vegas. And, and this was, is, and this game was a pick em too. Like it was a one point. Yes. It was not, there's not a huge, but I mean, it's, it's like, it's coming down to like what happens on this play. Yes. And so like I've been to Vegas for the NCAA tournament. I've been there for some big events. This was nuts. I have never seen anything like this. People were living and dying with the Jermaine curse catch. I thought people were about to, they were like calling, <laughs> calling the real estate agent saying, buy me a million dollar condo in Mexico. Cause I am coming home and you know, rich, buy mom some new shoes. And then all of a sudden, you know, they think the Seahawks are going to go score, get that touchdown. Russell Wilson throws the interception. I, I saw people crying after that. And then you also have the, uh, the Patriots should have gotten the ball at the one yard line after the interceptions. There still would have been a shot at a safety, which is always a huge prop bet. In Super Bowl, is is there going to be a safety? Yes or no? Well, and, and, the, and the Patriots were up four at that point, so they might have intentionally taken a safety. <laughs> right, exactly. But then one of the Seahawks got called for uh, Michael I, Bennett. Two of them, Michael Bennett, Michael Bennett, They're, Cliff Averill, I think both got flagged for it. So right? they got called for a personal foul, and it moved it out to the fifteen or sixteen yard line. And at that point, the safety was out of place. So then you saw people ripping up their tickets. I mean, it was confetti. <laughs> it was absolutely insane. And that I could not have been in Vegas for a better Super Bowl. So that what? I did enjoy that Super Bowl very much. What I would add to is game aside, like how much this impacts the trajectory the of the Patriots legacy. and the Seahawks. If the Seahawks it win the, it ended the Legion of Boom. Yeah. If it's the Seahawks win play. this if the Seahawks win this game, they win back to back Super Bowls, which, you know, obviously does not happen very uh, often. Against the, Peyton Manning and Tom Brady. Yes. It does not happen very often. And look, the Legion of Boom's legacy is already secure. Like, I'm not. No, no, no. But, the but league, this they, would elevate it to a new level. The Seahawks probably don't get broken up the way that they did because we read all those stories afterwards about, like, the Sherman stuff, thinking, like, there were people who thought um, Carroll wanted Russell Wilson to get that that iconic moment, that I- iconic touchdown instead of handing it to Marshawn. Um, kind of, like, there was that trip to Hawaii the Seahawks had to take with yeah, Russell they Wilson. Had, like, yeah, they, they had to, like, rebuild Kumbaya. these bonds. If the Patriots lose that Super Bowl, suddenly we're talking about them losing three straight Super Bowls. Um, they hadn't won post-Spygate, which was a kind of a thing that was being floated about how, like, oh, they haven't won since they stopped cheating. Um, and obviously after that Super Bowl, they go on to win two more. So uh, it just, it just, it impacts the trajectory and the historical legacy of those two teams so much. Yeah, you're 100% correct. Um, I will throw out since, um, since we you know we're talking about greatest Super Bowls of all time, I will say that, oh yeah, my number one was 49. Uh, number two was uh, the helmet catch. It, it was just a, I mean, the, you know, the first, even though like, Whatever, say whatever you want about Eli Manning. We had a big, we can go listen to the Eli Manning emergency podcast in the feed if you want. He retires. But like, that game was insane. It was the ultimate upset super dog, super dog, super bowl. And, uh, number four I had is the Patriots Falcons. I actually put as number three, I put a, um, the Eagles Patriots game. I think that you could have, and I wrote, this is the, this is the topper on this. I said, I feel like a millennial filling the top of this list with recent Super Bowl matchups, but in reality is these games have been incredible. I can't, and I couldn't, I couldn't quite get myself. It felt dumb. Like you just put 49 up top. Now let's replace it with 52. But I mean, like Nick Foles against Tom Brady and Foles is going toe to toe with him. We have the Philly special. You have the, the crazy catch rule situations, uh, with Corey Clements and then Zach Ertz. You have Brandon Cooks getting knocked out. It just, I mean, it was a, you know, Doug Peterson is laying it all on the lines. It was like, and that was my favorite Super Bowl to be in. I mean, like Devo is on the line with us right now as an Eagles fan. I, I, I don't. We, you weren't doing the podcast then, but you were definitely crying, weren't you, after that Super Bowl? Lots of tears. Lots of tears that Prisco still gives me trouble for today. But that'll forever be the greatest <laughs> sporting moment of my life. There's right, no, that's, nothing that's going like, to top that from a fan perspective. So every every year at the Super Bowl, Breach and I – did we do it in this? We did it in this Super Bowl, right? That you, Breach and I take a lap around the concourse and we take, like, pictures or stuff. Like, we started doing it, I guess, at Super Bowl 50 maybe because um, you were in Arizona for 49. So 50, we took a lap around – 
um, the, the, the stadium at Santa Clara and it's like, oh, like Panthers fans are sort of crazy. I saw some people I knew from North Carolina. It's fun. Yeah, 51 was, Wait, um, Princeton, don't undersell that. We're literally walking <laughs> around the Super Bowl and I hear someone yell, Princeton, is that Princeton? And I'm like, yeah. how, how are we walking around the concourse at the Super Bowl? There are no other media members around. So I know it wasn't a media member. He might know. These are just random fans yelling Princeton's name. And I'm like, Princeton, how did you know anyone here? And they come over, they're Panthers fans and they know him from like Charlotte. I, my mind was blown. Yeah, took a picture for him, did a big chant, whole thing. Um, but, uh, then 51 was, uh, no, 51 was Falcons, uh, Patriots, and that was in, yes. Should I add something about the Falcons Patriots game that was, that was in really, Houston? Yes. Yeah, sure, but right. a really funny moment that kind of gets overlooked in hindsight. Mark Wahlberg, big Patriots fan, left that game when oh, the Patriots got in a huge oh. deficit. And I remember, uh, cause I wrote that story. And then afterwards, he, Look, he said his, like, kid was sick, and look, I don't want to speculate, but a lot of people don't think that his kid was sick, and I think he actually gave up and didn't want to be there as the Patriots getting beat down. Um, well, so I thought that was hilarious that he so missed that, the comeback. But so that sort of actually dovetails into my point about the Philly Super Bowl is that, so, you know, you had that Santa Clara Super Bowl in 50, it's fine. 49 was Seahawks, Seahawks fans, Seahawks fans have been there the year before. Patriots fans have been there a billion times. 51, Falcons fans just didn't have a big presence in Houston. And Patriots fans are like, all right, you know, like maybe this is the last one. Maybe we need to go see it. Um, 52, holy hell. We were walking around, and it's, it's in Minnesota, so it's like freezing outside. I mean, sub-zero temperatures, and Breach and I are walking that lap. I mean, have you ever seen anything like that? It was like every Eagles fan is just S-canned, like out of their mind, drunk, like screaming. They're all packed inside. Fly, it's so cold outside. Eagles, They're fly. screaming chants. And like the energy in that stadium was unlike any. And it's that brand-new Minnesota Super, uh, the U.S. Bank Stadium. It's an incredible atmosphere. It's an open-air press box. You get goosebumps every like five minutes. There's a big play because you could feel the crowd's energy coming out. It was that that to me was like the best energy and best Super Bowl because it was like big play after big play. And like so much was at stake, it felt like, well, because of thing, how important it was to the Eagles. To go along with that, Brinson, one thing I will say is that a big complaint about the Super Bowl is that the crowd is kind of neutered. You don't have the the crazy fans get kind of priced out. And what you have is yeah. the, the corporate fan and they're not as loud. And, and that's probably what you've noticed at most Super Bowls. But with the Eagles, it felt like they got in every crazy fan that has ever cheered for that team. They let them in the game, and that it felt like you were at an Eagles game. I mean, that is the wildest I've ever heard a crowd in the Super Bowl because you usually don't have, you know, the people that are chanting everything. And, and so the Eagles fans, to their credit, definitely uh, in the, I think, six, seven Super Bowls I've been to, definitely the loudest fan base I've heard. 505 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions for Tom Brady, and they lost. They didn't like, punt. They didn't punt. They didn't punt the Super Bowl. Super Bowl and lost 505 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions, and he lost because he couldn't catch a pass. I want to throw um, one more Super Bowl in real quick. We don't have to talk about it for a long time uh, or even at all. As I, It's very underrated. doesn't get talked about a lot. Steelers, Cardinals, Super Bowl 43, I think one of the best of all time. For me, it's a top fiver. That by the way, where, have you heard the story about BMAC stand up the night before? Have you heard that story? BMAC is in this game. He stayed until 8 a.m. the night before the Super Bowl. Because he couldn't sleep. No, they no, were playing they were a card game. Yeah. Oh, yeah. let me do a podcast about this with Ryan, or is that something else? I'm thinking yeah, about? yeah, th- yeah. They did. Yeah. Anyway, well, he was on the podcast last, last week. You can go check out that out. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, I actually had Steelers 35, Cowboys 31, Super Bowl uh, 13 as a top five. I didn't watch it. I went back and like rewatched it to put it up that high because I wanted to make sure you know I was uh, being realistic about it. Uh, uh, the Giants 20, Bills 19. Scott Norwood miss wide right. That's a good uh, first Patriots Patriots Rams. Brady's first one was is obviously iconic in hindsight, just because the Brady two minute trail becomes such a it's his biggest part of his legacy. Probably his ability but, to come from behind and win those comebacks, and that was the first the, one. That's the Patriots' greatest legacy to football. It's not this dynasty. It's like every Super Bowl they're in is insane. Like the only one that wasn't exciting was the Rams or maybe the Eagles in two thousand four. Um, so, oh, yeah, stop, I, forget Ram, Rams-Titans, too. Yeah, Kevin I, had Dyson, oh, I had that behind Super Bowl 23. Friend of the program, Jim Breach, banged home a trio of field goals. But it wasn't enough for the Bengals to keep pace with the 49ers and Jerry Rice. Let me just say real quick, on that game, I was seven years old. I was in Miami. Number one, uh, somebody, a cop shot a dude the Sunday or Saturday 
before the game and riots broke out in Miami. So it's literally riots. We're at our hotel, which are a block away from these riots. My parents have, have me on like one of those kid leashes. Like you can't leave this hotel. They're you, you, like, it is too dangerous out there. Don't go anywhere unless you are with a brother or a sister. So they're dealing with that. Then the night before the game, Stanley Wilson, the fullback goes on a Coke bender, just cocaine everywhere. Can't play in the game. Get suspended. Imagine this happening now. I mean, this would, this, I can't even fathom this happening now. But so their fullback, who'd been paving the way for Icky Woods and James Brooks all year, uh, didn't show up for a team meeting Saturday, and it's because he was out doing cocaine. And the next morning, you know, my, my, my dad's telling me about the game before he heads to the stadium, my brother, and how Stanley Wilson can't play. And they told me he couldn't play because he peed on a sidewalk, you know, because they're not going to tell their 70 year old kid that this dude's doing cocaine. And I thought, for 10 years that Stanley Wilson peed on a sidewalk until I Googled it, you know, when the internet got big in like 1998. And I was like, holy crap, that guy did cocaine. I thought he peed on a sidewalk. Uh, that's the most <laughs> random story I've got guys. Um, I'm going to get to watch. I went to Cincy jungle. It's like when you watch it on NFL network, a boomer Sison recalls uh, Sam Weiss addressing the team the evening before the game about Wilson's situation and the players' reaction. Few were sympathetic to Wilson's plight, and the majority were outraged. The interesting part of Sison's recollection was the the reaction to wide receiver Chris Collinsworth's bold request for the team to quote win one for Stanley. <laughs> the sentiment did not sit well. Um, be back and I talked about that. It is wild how like now in 2020 you don't have these like. Dudes, the week of the Super Bowl going rogue and going on coke benders or getting arrested with prostitutes. Like this happened like every year, like at least every three years for two, two or three decades. Yeah. Um, and, and that, the, the Stanley Wilson Super Bowl was in Miami. So there's uh, apparently something. And Eugene Robinson was the Falcons player, I think, who got. Yeah. That was Atlanta though, right? Uh, yeah. The Super oh, no, no, no. Was it in Miami? Uh, I don't know. Like breach, breach, breach. Are you, you or did you just say like, it was in Miami, so apparently there's like something with cocaine in Miami. It's like yeah, no <laughs> kidding, Breach. It's like everyone's seen Scarface. <laughs> I do like say. Breach cocaine. yelling cocaine everywhere is the highlight for me of this podcast. And, and yes, Eugene Robinson, the Falcons uh, defensive back who got caught with a prostitute, that was also in Miami. Mm. So Miami is a recipe for disaster. We'll have to yes, keep an eye Miami, on that. Miami is a haven for cocaine and prostitutes. <laughs> That's why we're going there. Jeez Louise. <laughs> Um, that, that, that can be your beat, Princeton. Marcus B. from Sweden. Hello. Thanks for listening, Marcus. Uh, via Apple Podcast writes, will the Cowboys win the Super Bowl next year? Why or why not? Keep it up. Marcus, I think it's Bjornstrom. Love it. Sweden. Shout out to Marcus in Sweden. Cowboys, yes or no, Sean? No. I mean, I, I think they are a playoff caliber team, but if the question is, will they win the Super Bowl, I would rather take the field. Uh, and I don't mind the Mike McCarthy hire, uh, but I do think all that talk about him embracing analytics is probably overrated, and I think he'll probably just be Mike McCarthy, who was a very good coach, uh, but I would rather take the field. You know what? I'll be the yes guy. I'll say it. I, I think they're in a division that's very winnable. Sorry, Debo, but I think the NFC East is the worst division of football. Uh, they turn around. They get, say, two more wins off that 8-8. Eight and eight. All of a sudden, they're 10-6. and six. You're in the playoffs, and once you're in the playoffs in the NFC, it feels like anyone can win it, and, and so... I think there's definitely a path for them to win the Super Bowl next season. Yeah. I mean, look, it, wouldn't, it shouldn't surprise anybody if the Cowboys win the Super Bowl. They have Mike McCarthy. He's a Super Bowl winning coach. They have Dak if they get Assuming Dak's back and they bring back Amari Cooper and they have all these pieces in place, they can win the Super Bowl. Um, it's, it's a Super Bowl caliber talent on that roster. But, uh, you know, you would if you were given Cowboys or the field, that's how I was answering it. But yeah, I agree with everything you guys are saying. Uh, I think that we said all season long, they were a like 12 and 4 team with 4 and 12 coaching. So like, clearly we think, I'm a big Dak guy too. Clearly we think this team is talented. So I, um, did Bill Barnwell's podcast and, uh, we were talking about the Packers, like where do they go from here? To me, the Packers are a layup, like this team could miss the playoffs next year. Same with the Seahawks, right? I, well, the team that obviously makes it to the playoffs next year that missed this year is the Cowboys. Like it's a it's a free square in the, in those columns. I ranked the like the ten teams that were in the playoffs this year by their chances of winning next year's Super Bowl, uh, which which I write every single year. Uh, I obviously had the Ravens at one, um, but I had the Packers pretty low at like seven, uh, just because you know as you were talking about, if you look at their record of one score games, uh, they were not nearly as good of a, as a normal thirteen and three team. So I would agree with that as well. Um, all right, moving along. 
from Facebook. Nacho Fernandez says, what's your favorite type of, quote, unusual props for the Super Bowl? I think he probably just means, like, outside of, like, rushing yards and passing yards. I mean, my, like, Patrick Mahomes right now on DraftKings is, um, you got to lay 200 minus 253. So you're talking about some serious juice, but his over under for passing touchdowns is one and a half. You take the over, right? Yes. Like, like, I mean, like you, you have to, you have to deposit $253 to win a hundred dollars back, but I feel very confident you're going to win that. Like, I also think Mahomes is, uh, you can bet Mahomes 40 to one. I like this one 40 to one first touchdown score. And Chiefs win. Oh, I like that. Yeah, spent ten on it, went four hundred. I mean, like yeah, that's, you don't, that's good. I mean, you don't, I mean, don't drop like a hundred bucks on that, but like Chiefs to win, which is basically you know even money, and then Mahomes' first touchdown score, which is should be like it was like thirty to one last week, but he's gonna, I think he'll run a touchdown in. I like uh, any time touchdown score, Debo Samuel plus one fifty. Hmm. Hmm. No? Okay. Takers and Debo. You guys got anything? Uh, Gatorade color is a fun one? I just, I, I think the national anthem is always the classic, and I think that's a fun one, just because everyone, no one really pays attention at home to the national anthem, except during the, the Super Bowl, everyone is timing it, so. Yeah. Uh, my favorite in-game prop is always field goals because it adds a rush to once the other team gets to the other side of the field. You start rooting for a field goal, and usually the distances aren't too bad. They'll say over, under on the longest kick in the game. It's generally somewhere between 44 and 48 yards. I'm guessing because this is outdoors, it could be windy, rainy. It will probably be about 45, uh, and it's something that's fun to root for i think that we will see a field goal longer than 45 yards and my favorite weird prop is how many commercials in the super bowl will include a dog and the over under is three and a half wow that's a fun one right very fun i love dog props and will alex rodriguez be shown on tv during halftime i like those i like the like will this person be on tv or how many times will the commentators like say donald trump's name i think that was one a couple years ago this is not a political podcast, Sean. Thank you. Donald Trump is the president. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No, it's uh, no. They're like, how many times did the president tweet during the <laughs> yeah, Super Bowl? <laughs> which is, can you imagine going back like 40 years and telling somebody like, in 40 years, you can gamble on how many times the president of the United States will tweet during the Super Bowl? Uh, but if you ever get that, take the under, because Trump likes to tweet in the mornings. If you look at it, I think also, right, and, like, the, and, the, and the Patriots aren't involved this year, and he's a big Patriots yeah, guy, so. True. Um, I don't think he tweeted during the Patriots thing. So, like, I'm not advocating we, you know. It's because he left his, it's like the Wahlberg thing. Didn't he leave, like, his party early? Well, I will say, if he does tweet, it's not going to be about the 49ers because they are from a state that is not very pro-Trump. So, I would think if you're really. He's sweating right now. Well, (laughs) if if you're really looking into this, you would think you want the Chiefs to be in the lead or the Chiefs to win if you're betting on Trump tweets. I'm just being logical with the bet. That's all. Completely logical. Right. Like the LSU-Clemson game. He's like, loved the LSU-Clemson game. Um, he was there. He got a, he got a big round of applause. He got, he actually retweeted Barrett Salee. Did you see that? It's incredible. He got retweeted by, imagine being retweeted by the president of the United and, States of America. And then, and then Barrett Salee had to quit Twitter because his mentions turned into. <laughs> they said, you know how people say circus. like, RIP my mentions? Like, really? My mentions? Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I like I like Gatorade color. Uh, I think if you can get red at anything, it's like like I think the Chiefs Gatorade is just red. It's, it's the Chiefs. They're red, and like the 49ers, also red. Like bet red Gatorade. Anything above two two to anything with plus money, take red. Hammer the red now. Get that in while you can. Um, Dustin Fraser. Any other props you guys want to add? Good. All right. Dustin Fra- Dustin Fraser asks. Worst quarterback to ever win a Super Bowl, in your opinion? Mine, Trent Dilfer, change my mind. I won't change his mind. I agree with that. I was I was waiting for Sean to say Eli Manning. Just uh... no, I would rank That's Joe Flacco just... below Eli Manning. What? How dare you? What about Nick Foles? Oh, that's a good one. I, I just grade him on a different – I mean, that's a, that is a really good one. I guess I didn't think of him because I was just grading him on a different year. Are we, year well, are we saying – wait, 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 wait. Are we saying, like, who was the worst, like, career or, like, worst – because, like, that's Dilfer. 
Well, I'm saying like if the Chiefs had to play this Sunday with Trent Dilfer in his prime, would you think they're going to beat the 49ers? No, the no. 49ers would slaughter them. By like yeah, that's what I'm saying. So obviously Trent Dilfer is 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 a good answer. Uh, Brad Johnson would be. Brad Johnson's up there. Would be my backup. Beside, I think Nick Foles is fast. And I don't think he's the worst. But I would. I say mean, Nick Foles not. outplayed Tom Brady. Like he had an incredible game. And, and I play. and I grade Foles just on a different tier because he's a backup quarterback. And like I'm, I'm talking about like guys who were like the team starter. You know, By the way, I mean? Trent, you know, Trent Dilfer was number six overall pick. In uh, 94. The same year the Bengals took Big Daddy Dan Wilkinson ahead of Marshall Falk. Number Paul. one overall. Yep. I, I, remember remember that. I, remember that. I remember that SI cover. Big Daddy. And although, Brinson, Nick Foles did play well, I don't know if we can say he outplayed Tom Brady. It wasn't Brady's fault they lost. We already mentioned it. He threw for 505 yards and three touchdowns and no interceptions. Uh, yeah, There's not much more he could have done. Matt Patricia? Matt Patricia, there we go. He outranks BFF. Um, Tom Brady dropped a pass to Nick Foles. That's true. Dun, dun! Nick Foles. He hung. He hung, he hung with Tom Brady and beat him. He hung with Tom Brady and beat him. That's fair. Yeah. Um, so Trent Dilfer, Brad Johnson, top two. That's it. That's probably the list. Yeah. Uh, Sean, any? I'll I'll just throw this out there. Joe Namath had a losing record in his career. Joe Namath is basically old school Eli Manning. <laughs> I mean, true. Uh, last one. Timothy Sean Jr. asked best Super Bowl that never happened, in your opinion. And if Sean all of a sudden is in the middle of talking and gets up and runs away, it's because his car is being swept away by street. This cars. is the last question. Yes. Let me go first. Um, and... No, we're going to go breach than me than you. I'm just kidding. Go ahead. I'm going to go first. <laughs> um, no one is going to agree with me on this, and that's fine. I have very personal reasons for this Super Bowl. It would have been perfect for me. If the Bears had played the Steelers the year that the Packers played the Steelers, the Packers beat the Bears in the NFC Championship game, which everyone remembers for the Jay Cutler knee injury pedaling on the sideline. They remember how soft he was and scared to go in? Exactly. So, oh, God, I should try to find your tweets from that game. They'd probably make me sick. Um that for me would look. Jay Cutler's my favorite athlete. Uh, if he gets a Super Bowl ring, this the year that Aaron Rodgers gets his only ring, uh, that would mean Jay Cutler would have retired with more Super Bowls than Aaron Rodgers. Which for me, just come on, that would have been the perfect narrative. Uh, also, I just would have wanted to see the Bears play in the Super Bowl that year. And we're talking about worst quarterback to play in the Super Bowl. There's a chance that Super Bowl then would have featured Caleb Haney as the Bears' starting quarterback because Jay Cutler had torn his MCL. Uh, which would have placed his status in jeopardy. So that is my personal answer. Um, I, I've, got, I've got two. Best Super Bowl that never happened. Number one, Super Bowl Twenty Nine was an absolute blowout. It was Chargers 49ers. 49ers won that game 49-26. Uh, in the AFC Championship that year, the Chargers played the Steelers. They were big underdogs. They went into Pittsburgh and they upset the Steelers 17 to 13. If the Chargers do not win that game, we get Steelers 49ers, which I think would have been an amazing game. The Steelers went to the Super Bowl next year, Super Bowl 30, played the Cowboys. Uh, so I think that is, a, it would have been an incredible Super Bowl. That never happened. Number two, and that Super Bowl would have been played in Miami. Miami seems to be the theme of the week. Maybe it wouldn't have been a great job to send that Steelers team to South Beach. Uh, the other one is Super Bowl 32. Three years later, we got Falcons, Broncos. Uh, the Broncos steamrolled the Falcons in that Super Bowl 34 to 19. We almost got Vikings, Broncos. Randy Moss, Chris Carter, the most prolific offense probably of the 90s was that 98 Vikings team in the NFC title game. Gary Anderson, who had not missed a kick all season, the first ever NFL kicker to make every single field goal with more than 20 attempts in the regular season in the NFC title game. He misses a field goal uh, with just minutes left. The Falcons win 30 to 27 in overtime, costing us a Vikings Broncos game in Super Bowl 32. Uh, I have two that, uh, like Sean's, are probably personal and, well, I'll say one. Um, 
in the uh, divisional round of 2006, so in J- January 2007, uh, Marlon McCree intercepted Tom Brady to basically ice the game for the San Diego Chargers. They were then he was then stripped by Troy Brown. Tom Brady would lead a game-winning drive. The Patriots would defeat the Chargers. This was the best Chargers team we had seen in years. Um, the Patriots would lose by four points in the AFC Championship game to the Colts, who would then beat the Bears in the Super Bowl. It is my belief, firmly, that had the Chargers beaten the Patriots, they would have beaten the Colts, and they would have beaten the Bears in the Super Bowl, and Phillip Rivers would have a ring, and I would be telling everybody to F off in this Eli Manning conversation. Eli Man- And then, you know what? The Chargers might have then beaten, then the Patriots in 2007 might not have existed. And, uh, then Rivers would have, Rivers almost beat them with no ACL 21 to 12 in the AFC championship game. Uh, but also that would have taken the 2004 NFL draft from great status to legendary status. Because Roethlisberger won in 2005. Rivers would have won in 2006 and Eli, Eli won in 2007. 2007. Yeah. They would have won three in a row. And in that world, maybe JP Wosman wins in 2008 and they get a clean sweep of the first rounders. I'm, I'm thinking that the answer is no. You never know in this world. You never know. So I think Sean just moved his car very quickly. Did you already move your car? No. No. I'm just getting ready to leave. Preparing to move your car. But but I was listening. I'm with you. I'm with you, Brenton. Let's redo that Chargers game. Oh, you heard. Okay, cool. Um, Yeah, it was brutal. Now I'm trying to think. Oh, man. So many bad beats for the Chargers. So many sad moments. But we will have a happy moment for somebody. Maybe it'll be Kyle Shannon. Maybe it'll be uh, Patrick Mahomes. Maybe it'll be, I hope it's Andy Reid. He needs one. He deserves one. Um, I think that's it. Anything else? You guys want anything else? See you in uh, South see you in Breach. See you in South Breach, Sean. Um, we're recording this on Thursday. Bring, You're listening your, on bring your speedos. Opening night recap tomorrow. Don't forget your bathing suit. See you guys then. Hello everyone, it's Michael Richards here. You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on. It's called The Rest is Football. It's me, alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer, two absolute legends of the game. The show combines topical debate from the world of soccer along with outrageous tales from our careers. And I mean, outrageous. Just search... The rest is football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Beats.